Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. If you want to get in touch with the show, email us at IllegalMotionPodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Illegal underscore Motion. Thanks for downloading. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Los Angeles, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And coming to us straight out of the meeting room in Nashville, Tennessee, it's the coach, Corey Burton. What's up, guys? Yeah, we're just trying to find some answers. Uh, I know you guys have been waiting on me a little bit, but uh, I'm ready to rock and roll now. And let's, uh, let's grind on another podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm excited, man. It's that time of year, so it, it can't be any more exciting than it is right now. I know. The anticipation is going to kill me. Um, uh, and other than that, maybe the heat, but uh, I'm ready to rock and roll, guys. Well, uh, someone else experienced a heat wave right now. It's our third amigo in the second city, a man who is definitely not as impressed with Michael Phelps as the NBC executives are. It's our <laughs> intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. Oh, man, way to throw me under the bus there. Yeah, hey, the, heat, the, the heat is bad here in Chicago. I got my AC going, my fan going. If my mic picks it up, I apologize to our listeners, but... Uh, it's better than me just sweating all over the place. That's for my dislike to Michael Phelps. I mean, we can get into that if you want, but I'll leave it at that. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. That's okay. Uh, we've got a lot to cover today anyway, so we might as well get right into it. Uh, we're continuing with our 2016 season previews with the only Power 5 conference that did not get a team into last year's playoff, and that's the Pac-12. There's a lot of intrigue and unknown in this league this year, more so than most others, so uh, let's get right into it. Uh, just like before, we're going to go with uh, what we predict will be the worst to first finish in each division before determining a conference champ and some superlatives. So uh, we're going to start in the north, uh, where the Beavers of Oregon State are in their second year under former Wisconsin and Utah State head coach Gary Anderson. Last year was definitely one to forget for the Beavs, so Josh... Will things be any better in Anderson's sophomore effort in Corvallis? Uh, I think they will be. I sort of like some of the pieces on this offense. Ryan Nall looks like a pretty nice back, and, and Daryl Garrettson isn't a horrible quarterback for what their roster or what their record from last year would indicate. And the biggest positive for any team trying to build is they've got four starting offensive linemen back. The real reason they struggled so much is that defense was flat out awful a year ago. It resulted in firing their defensive coordinator. In comes Kevin Clune. Can he pick up the slack? I don't know. Utah State's defense from last year wouldn't suggest he's up to the task. And to me, that kind of looks like Anderson being Anderson again, going after his Utah State friends, being his stubborn self. But um, I picked them last partly because of that defense, partly because I'm not a believer in Gary Anderson. But I will say this, they got a really good shot at going 3-1 and one to start the year. That would include a, a combo of either beating Boise State or, or road wins at Minnesota and Colorado. And the way the rest of the season unfolds, that 3-1 and one start would put them in good shape at, at slipping into a bowl game. Uh, the, the problem I have with Oregon State, though, is they look like one of those teams that easily put up 31 a game offensively, and then turn around and give up 35 points a game. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you hit the nail on the head with them. Uh, offensively, they got some guys that could possibly step up. Um, 
But honestly, I, I have them last. And, and uh, what you'll notice is my, my rankings, are, I think, go really hand-in-hand hand with the aggregate, aggregate rankings. So um, I just think they're going to give up too many points every game. I, I, don't, I don't think their offense can keep up with their lack of defense. So, And, and I, I don't think that Gary Anderson has the right answers. I think he's just trying to get – his coaching fraternity surrounding him, and, and it's—I don't know. This team worries me. I, I think they're—I think they're—they're they're not going to get it done this year. Um, I still think they're—they're they're pretty far away. I, I think they still got a lot of work to do. Yeah, you know, it's not just the coaching staff he's bringing in there. You know, Garrettson, the quarterback that uh, Josh mentions, also a Utah State transfer as well. One guy that uh, – the only guy that would really excite me if I'm a Beaver fan this fall is going to be wide receiver Victor Bolden. Not necessarily just because of his work as a pass catcher, but also in the return game. Uh, he was a, a, an excellent returner um, in both the punt return and kickoff return game last year. So, you know, they're going to need some big special teams plays if they're going to, you know, hope to have a puncher's chance with some of the big boys in their division. So probably not a whole lot of fun to look forward to this uh, fall in Corvallis. But, you know, someone's got to be at the bottom. And so that is, uh, you know, that's where we're starting. We're going to keep it moving right along. Um, and head down the road to Berkeley, where Cal has to replace number one overall pick Jared Goff behind center. Uh, Sonny Dykes uh, is has definitely been able to really work some magic with uh, quarterbacks, and they got a good one in transfer Davis Webb. And so he looks like he's going to be the man behind center this year. Josh, uh, are they going to have you know are they going to have the same sort of high powered attack that they did last year? I think they will. Let's start with Davis Webb. You mentioned at the transfer. He was phenomenal in 2013-2014 with Texas Tech, as you would expect in that air raid offense. So how come he transferred well, got dinged up, lost his job due to injuries, and uh, Patrick Mahomes was just a revelation for the Red Raiders. So tough slot in for Webb to, to have his career go this way, but I definitely don't think it was a transfer based on him not getting playing time, not Hacking it, I think he is a legitimate NFL potential talent that just ran into a guy who is perfectly suited for what the Red Raiders do. So I'm excited for Webb. Uh, you mentioned Sonny Dykes. This is a guy who inherited a really bad 4-8 and eight Louisiana Tech team, immediately improved on that win percentage, and then won 17 games over the next two years in – Louisiana Tech. He's improved his win total every year in Cal. I'm a, I'm a big believer in Sonny Dykes. And they also have a really nice offensive line returning. So they've got some pieces, but tons and tons of turnover. You mentioned Jared Goff, but the receiving core is gone, and the defense had a ton of turnover. You factor that in with an absolute brutal schedule. They've got an underrated San Diego State team and a talented Texas team in the non-conference. Once in the league, they have crossover dates with both L.A. schools. Um, They might be better coached and have a better quarterback than Oregon State, but I can envision some breaks for the Beavers to slip into a bowl game. As it stands for Cal, I don't see how they can make a bowl, honestly. Well, they got a new offensive system this year, Tony Franklin. Uh, leaves from a year ago to take the same position at uh, Middle Tennessee State under Rick Stockstill. So you got to wonder. That's kind of a bit of a head scratcher for me. But 
Uh, you know, anytime you have your running back coming back, you know, you can always hopefully try to lean on the, the run game and, and see what you can do. I mean, they're, they're going to compete as they always do under Sonny Dykes. And, you know, if they can come out, you know, they start the season 2-0 and is what I'm anticipating. They come out against Texas and they compete and somehow find a win. That, that could be one of those season turners where, where, you know, they get a big win against Texas. They might, I'm not going to say make a run or, or make a legitimate threat at, title, but I mean, they can get themselves in a bowl game and have a really nice season, you know, despite losing Jared Goff. So it's just one of those teams where, you know, they're going to have to grind out uh, a couple of key wins and, and hope to get some momentum, but otherwise, I just think they're going to struggle. Yeah, you know, one of the guys that I'm interested to see on this team this year is true freshman Demetrius Robertson. He was one of the top players in high school in the country last year and picked uh, picked Cal way after signing day. So um, he was one of the last, probably the last real big-name recruit uh, to come in. He's going to be playing wide receiver for them, but he can do a little bit of everything. He's a really versatile athlete. Um, I also hope to see him uh, get involved in the return game as well. So, But obviously, you know, it, it's going to be – uh, like Josh mentioned, some uh, uh, uphill sledding for the Golden Bears this fall just with that schedule. But, you know, they always seem to be able to pull out a, a good offense, and, you know, they have a, a veteran signal caller, even if it's with his, only his first year with the team. Davis Webb should, you know, be a good It's a new system, so it's kind of a wash. Yeah, it, that that's true. But you know, I'm you know he's been there for you know a little a little bit. He had spring ball, so he lo- you know he should be pretty good. Um, but let's uh, let's let's move uh, out to Pullman, Washington, where um, it is uh, our probably the the unofficial head coach of the Illegal Motion podcast, the Pirate Mike Leach, uh, is uh, starting his fifth year already at Washington State. It's uh, time has gone by so quickly. Um, Quarterback Luke Falk is back, and, man, this guy can just throw it around the yard, can he, Josh? Yeah, you and I have the same bullet point for the first thing about Washington State, Luke Falk. Uh, remember a few shows ago for the Big 12 uh, when I broke down Skylar Howard to show he wasn't up to snuff against Big 12 teams? Falk is the exact opposite. He had 10 touchdowns in the non-conference in a bowl, meaning he had 28 in nine league games. Two of his three lowest passing yard games were in the non-conference and the bowl game. His lowest output of the year last year was a game he left early because of injuries, and he was still at 199 yards when he left the game. This kid can do it all. Um, Of all the non-national title contenders that we've talked about, Washington State fans can make a very, very believable argument that they have the best receiving core in the nation, thanks to a ton of returning talent, as well as a rare thing in Pullman, and that's a blue-chip recruit. Isaiah Johnson comes in out of Florida. Uh, They also have a pretty good uh, coordinator, Alex Grinch, who improved the defense. Uh, Let's see if that trend continues. So why don't I have them breaking through? Uh, some questions about line play. They, they've got a new left side of the offensive line, and the defensive line did not get much pressure on the quarterback a year ago. Um, but the Pac-12 North is more open than previous years with questions at quarterback for Oregon and Stanford. Uh, both Washington schools are legit contenders, and Washington State has a schedule that you absolutely have to love. Their crossover games are Colorado, both Arizona schools – 
and UCLA, which isn't great, but you're not going to dodge every bullet. So at least they don't have to pick by both LA schools. Uh, they also get Oregon and Stanford um, in October. So possibly that's early enough in the season to pull an upset. I think we all agree that those two teams are going to be work in progress and get stronger and stronger as the year goes on. So there are definitely some intriguing things about this Cougar team, and there's a whole lot to be excited about. Yeah, I mean, uh, Josh, did I did I share the notes? Did I share my notes on uh, on the spreadsheet? Because I think that might be my evaluation to the T. You know, I I think skill wise, offensively, they're probably at the very top of the uh, of the conference, or they're right there with the big boys in the conference as far as offensive skill goes. I mean, you got a Mike Leach team, Air Raid team that has a returning quarterback and, and, and the best receiving core in, in the conference. You know, you're, you're going to be dangerous right there. But my question, like you said, like you brought up, and I'll, I'll agree with you one million percent, is is the line play on both sides. I mean, you know, is it going to hold up for them to, for them to possibly make a run at? It? I mean, they're, they're a dark horse type type team. If they catch fire, you know, they can make a run. You know, if Cal catches fire, they can make a they can make a run at a bowl game and have a, have themselves a nice little season. But I mean, Washington State could get themselves on the top of this division if they if they can hold up and, and catch fire and make a run. I mean, if, if if they scheme it right and defense plays well and they they get some they get some questions answered on the defensive line, they could make that run. You know, I, I could see them going nine and three and just missing out on the uh, on the division title. Um, they're going to get some people hell, and, and their schedule's favorable. And you know, if they can get those upfront up issues fixed or questions answered, they might be a dangerous team. And I really like this team. They're they're going to be one of my favorite. They might I might adopt them as my West Coast team. I, I like that, Coach. Yeah, you, might, you both of you guys have mentioned the schedule, and you know their toughest road game is at Stanford. But you could definitely make a pretty strong argument that their second toughest road game is going to be at Boise State. They get the rest of their you know tougher opponents at home: Oregon, UCLA, Arizona, uh, and Washington are all coming to Pullman. So is Cal as well. So you know they've got you know the, the toughest part of their schedule outside of Stanford is all coming to you know the eastern part of washington state and that should you know bode well that's not the easiest place to get to the travel there can be pretty exhausting and you know weird things can happen up in pullman so i'm not as it's funny you, it's funny you mentioned that you know martin stadium's pretty small but i remember it rocking back with mike price and some of those offensive juggernauts he had there um both pullman and corvallis can can be house of whores if you're not ready Definitely, definitely. Well, um, we are going to continue right along in uh, the division. And a lower ranking than usual for preseason is this year's Oregon Duck squad. Um, They are, you know, they did not win double digits for the first time in seven years last year. Only won nine. Um, But obviously, Helfrich is back for his fourth season. 33-8, and pretty darn good in his first three years. But there always, you know, seems to be, you know, uh, a time during the big games where this team, you know, messes around, or last year they just seemed to get blowed out, and their defense couldn't stop anyone. So again, they've got an FCS grad student, uh, graduate transfer, I should say. This time it's Dakota Prukop uh, coming in to take the helm behind center, and they've also got Brady Hoke in the fold as their defensive coordinator. So Josh, a uh, lot of changes this year for the Ducks. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, Dakota Prokop, another grad transfer. Uh, the nice thing for him as he learns uh, to deal with the big boys of Pac-12 is Royce Freeman at running back. There's a nice receiving group, as well as the return of injured tight end Farrow Brown. This makes it a very, very good small position group for Dakota. You mentioned the Hoke hire. I love that. I've talked about that at length. He brings in a lot of experience coaching defenses, but also has head coach experience. So you don't really need to micromanage the defense. Helfrich can focus on the offense, which is good because this is where my questions come in. Scott Frost, we all love him. We all think he's going to be a great head coach. That's a big loss for this staff. Can Mike Lubick step up and coordinate the offense? That's an unknown. Vernon Adams had flashes last year, but obviously he got hurt, and the lack lack of depth was really a concern. I don't love the quarterback situation with because Pro Cup is backed up by a true freshman and a redshirt freshman. And honestly, if either were that good, why would you take an FCS gamble two straight years? Um, Scrolling back to Brady Hoke, like I said, I love this hire in the long term, but they are switching to a 4-3. Can his new system be effective with a thin depth chart? That's a big question. And all this circles back to the head man. This is the first time in a long time Oregon has ever faced such deep questions. Is Mark Helfrich the real deal? Can he answer these? This will be a big test for his coaching ability. Now, I'll admit that was a lot of doom and gloom, and this might be the first time in a while we've seen some cracks in the Oregon machine. But honestly, don't let that fool you. This is still a legit contender for the league title. If they get a few breaks, they could even be in the playoffs. Uh, The non-conference, as Oregon usually does, is an absolute joke, unless they somehow stumble at Nebraska, but that seems very doubtful. Um, Just like Washington State, they only play one of the two L.A. schools down there at the Coliseum. And if the quarterback situation works out and Hope can work wonders immediately, then this Ducks team has a super-duper high, high ceiling. Um, My concern would be if the QB play falters and if the defense struggles and Lubick's debut is a bad one, how much heat gets put on Helfrich? I'm not sure he's as loved by that Oregon fans, as you mentioned, Matt. He's had some weird head coaching decisions. There's been some gaffes. I'm just worried if Nike money gets that ball rolling in the opposite direction for him. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a there's probably the most question marks that they've had in quite some time. And if they're going to be successful, they've got to go back to what they do best, which is go fast. All right? They've recruited a lot of speed, and they need just need to go fast. Go fast, go fast, go fast, go fast, go fast, and then go faster. All right? But they got some they got some uh, question marks even on the coaching staff. Brady Hope brings in a new system. With that comes early season struggles. All right. Luckily, they got UC Davis. The first game is basically just a glorified scrimmage. So they can work out a lot of their kinks there. All right. Then they start recruiting guys in there long term. I, I really like the hire, but you know, is there going to be a long term? And, and that's a that's a concern that uh, that I have as well. Is Brady Hope going to have time to develop this defense before his head man gets fired and and, and a new guy brings in a different defense coordinator? Now Brady Hope is taking a big gamble with what he's doing. But um, they've got some they've got some good answers. Royce Freeman is somebody 
Tennessee. Um, I, I saw him up close and personal. He scored, um, I think he scored five touchdowns on every team he played personally uh, throughout the course of his senior year. So uh, he's fast. He can run. He can fit. He can fit well into that Oregon offense. So he's he's a candidate. And I'm gonna build suspense here when I say this. He's a candidate for uh, rookie of the year in this in this conference. If he can do it at that wide receiver position, he gives them an answer that they didn't think they had. Maybe that changes things. That makes because they have some talented question marks. It gives them a chance to be that contender, but also gives them a chance to fall flat on their face too. If if some things don't work out or they get a couple of injuries, they don't have depth is a huge concern with this group, but. Uh, if they stay relatively healthy, and some of some of their some of their big question marks, you know, develop into solid periods and answer and answers, then we're looking at a really dangerous Oregon team that can contend for the conference title. If not, you know, if not, then we're looking at probably the worst Oregon team in the last ten years. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, it, it, this team has a very high ceiling but a very low floor. And, you know, for me, what I'm really interested to see is not just is on defense, obviously, but specifically with their defensive line. They lost both Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner, DeForest Buckner being a really high pick in last year's draft. And going to a 4-3, they're going to need more D-linemen to rotate in. And, you know, they're – their uh, recruiting of skill position guys has been outstanding, but they haven't quite had the same type of line recruits as some of the other big powers, um, especially guys like Stanford and USC have had traditionally. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can um, restock and reload here on the D line, or if that's going to take a a step back. Obviously they got passed on a whole lot last year. And part of that was because they couldn't get a great pass rush. So um, we'll see. They just got to recruit a different type of, of defense alignment. They're going to have to start recruiting big body one techniques and, and quicker, uh, bigger pass rushers for that three technique. And then, you know, of course, the ends can be the same type of guys. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, we are going to uh, keep it moving along here. Uh, our predicted runner up in the North is uh, the Washington Huskies, who um, a lot of people think might actually come out and win the division. Uh, Chris Peterson uh, is now entering his third year at the helm of the Huskies, um, will bring back uh, a, a true sophomore quarterback who started all the games last year as a true freshman. Um, and that is, um, that is uh, Jake, uh, Browning. I'm sorry, I'm blanking on his name there for a second. Um, so, I, don't know, I don't even know where that went to. But, um, yes. So, anyhow, uh, they Jake Browning comes back at the helm uh, for Washington, and he's got some weapons now, Josh, doesn't he? He does, yeah. Jack, Jake Browning is a kid who really improved as the course of the year went on as a percent starter. One of the weapons he gets back is the CD John Ross III, who uh, was banged up last year. I believe he missed the entire season. But uh, the reason I picked Washington to be runners-up is I absolutely love, love this defense. Uh, Defensive coordinator Pete, and here's a name and a half for you, uh, Kwatakowski, I believe. Uh, Last year, he replaced seven starters, four of which were in the top 44 picks of the NFL draft. And so everyone expected the defense to be bad. Well, they led the conference in defense. Uh, this year is the reverse. He has seven starters back. 
including safety Buda Baker and cornerback Sidney Jones. The 3-4 is anchored by a mammoth of a kid in Elijah Qualls. And while there's no superstar at linebacker that's really emerged, I do think the depth they have there will allow them to be very, very efficient at that position. My one pause that I have and why I picked them to be runner-up is the offensive line. Are they ready for their close-up in prime time? They had five players log 400 or more snaps. The tackles are still relatively young. And Coleman Shelton is changing position to center. That's always a difficult transition. We don't know how he and Browning will interact. So that's always a cause for concern. But um, like Oregon and Wazoo, the Huskies avoid both LA schools. They host just USC. And that really could be a deciding factor is your crossover dates. So um, to be fair, even if Washington doesn't quite have the offense to make the title game, I think they're in for a lot of wins. They should go 3-0 in the non-conference. They should be able to win at least five league games. But more realistically, that number will be closer to six or seven. And what makes them a contender is there's going to be so much carnage in this league that seven wins automatically makes you a contender. And eight is almost a lock for the title game. So there's a lot to love about this Austin team. And then you hit the nail on the head. They returned eight starters on defense, a defense that led the conference last year. Uh, they bring eight starters back on that defense, which means they're, they're filling up four holes. I, I think that in a league like the Pac-12, if you have a great defense, that's a difference maker. All right? um, and, and I agree with him being a runner-up at this moment, but they could very easily flip that on its head with some great defensive play and, and getting involved in some slugfest-type games. You know, you got some new got some new faces on offense, got some, got some uh, familiar faces in new roles, so that's always a concern as well. But, you know, I, I, think, I think Washington is set up to where their defense can carry them in the early part of the season, and then if their offense starts clicking or when their offense starts clicking again uh, – and they may never, they may never lose a tick. You know, Jake Browning could could be the guy that, you know, he gets the offense through the struggles. And hell, Washington's on the verge of being a juggernaut this year uh, in in this conference. But you know, again, it's all going to hinge on how quickly that offense gets into a groove. It's going to be there to support them, to keep them, to keep them in contention. And then, and then they they're going to either make their move or. Uh, or their, their offense is going to falter so bad that they uh, they fall back a little bit. But, again, it, it's it's going to come down to can they, can they punch – can they punch Oregon in the mouth? Can they line up, play with Stanford, punch them in the mouth, uh, and, and, and stop Christian McCaffrey? Can, if they can do that, I, I, if they can stop Christian McCaffrey and, and, and win a low-scoring battle – against Stanford, I think they can win this conference because I think if they can line up and slug uh, Stanford, I think that's their game plan. That's how Stanford wins the conference every year. They just they just beat the crap out of everybody physically and, and somehow end up winning the conference like that every year. Yeah, you know, and, you know, uh, also with this Washington team, the, the, the strength of this uh, defense is in their secondary. I mean, we already talked about Buda Baker a little bit, but don't forget about, don't sleep on Sidney Jones or uh, the corner opposite of him, Kevin King. Both these guys can really cover. Sidney Jones uh, brought a pick 
uh, brought a pick back to the house last year and, uh, and a fumble back to the house last year. He's a really dynamic guy in the open field if he can get his hands on the ball. So, um, you know, their their defense should be what keeps them in every game, like we've mentioned. And um, so, but we have to see how, uh, you know, they've got a couple new starters at linebacker. Uh, so we'll see how that goes there. But um, the number one team in the North, according to a legal motion, is the Stanford. Cardinal. Now, obviously, Kevin Hogan is out. Uh, he graduated after seemingly uh, about a, a two dozen years at the helm of the program. But uh, uh, David Shaw, uh, you know, he can just keep turning out great team after great team. Um, and you know, this year should be uh, no, uh, should be no difference. Um, so, Josh, you know, where are they going to go to to uh, for their quarterback this year? I think that's the great mystery, and honestly, I didn't even include that in my notes because no one really knows what they're going to have. It's such an unknown right there. Um, what we do know, though, is they have Christian McCaffrey, who honestly should be the defending Heisman Trophy winner. I'm sorry. When you break Barry Sanders' records, you should win. Um, I don't even remember who won. That's how big of a sham it was. So well done, New York Athletic Club. The other reason why you love this team is has David Shaw ever given a reason to doubt him? He's won 11 or 12 games every year but one. And they one year they didn't. They still won eight games in a bowl, which by most program standards is a hell of a year. Lance Anderson's defense, he's a fantastic coordinator. They have a great back line. If they can figure out a few questions in the front seven, watch out. They might not be as good as Washington's defense, but they'll be pretty dang close for this division. Um, so the concerns you brought up, Hogan, a year they didn't win 11 games. It was the year right after Andrew Luck. So replace the quarterback is never easy. On top of that, wide receiver and tight end group had a lot of turnover. The offensive line has three new start- starters. So, um, you know, I'm kind of having a little bit of buyer's remorse maybe about picking them. Maybe I'm letting the flashbacks of McCaffrey shredding Iowa overinflate Stanford, but um, they have a brutal schedule. Also, of all these contenders, they're the only ones that have both Los Angeles schools. That's not easy, but it's just it's just something about David Shaw. It's something about Stanford. Um, Shaw to me. I know he's a Stanford guy because of his dad, and he's really, really faithful to that job. But let's be honest. If LSU, Alabama, Texas, Ohio State, Michigan, and Notre Dame, one of those pure, pure blue-blood programs, if they had something change, like a guy get fired or retire, they their first call is going to be to Stanford. And what's even more frightening to me is David Shaw's only 44. So we really could be looking at – the next 30-year coach at a super high level. And, you know, until I see Stanford fall apart under Shaw, I ain't going to pick against him. Yeah, absolutely, especially, you know, when there's no clear-cut contender. There's a lot of people that could contend. There's, 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 a, there's a decent chunk of teams that, if this, then we're talking. But there's way too many of those questions. I mean, even Stanford has those questions. But So when everyone has those questions, I default to the most well-coached team which then and the most physical team, which points right at Stanford. 
They're always physical. They're always talented. They're always well, talented. Not, not necessarily like overall talent, but I'm talking about like developed and well coached. You know, and, and they always they always bring that to the table, which means if they're well coached, they don't make a whole lot of mistakes. And so when you're steady in a, in a division that doesn't have a whole lot of just outright that's the team this year, you know, then I have no reason to pick against them. And then, then you throw in Christian McCaffrey into that mix, and he can make up for a lot of your question marks. You know, they, they have offensive line issues, too. Mike Bloomberg's got his hands full this year replacing that group or uh, figuring out what to do with that group. But he seems to always find an answer. I mean, you, you have these guys that are that are no-name type guys, and they come in, and then they, they develop under Bloomgren, who's the offensive coordinator as well. They develop under him, and then they end up getting drafted in the NFL. And, and, and you gotta you got to take that into account. They're, they have a lot of question marks there because we have not started the season yet. And I think there are a lot, a lot of those questions will be answered, uh, which is why I think Stanford is my number one team and why I think they're going to continue to be the number one team. Uh, and, and to go on your point about David Price leaving Stanford, he's going to, he's going to be forced with a decision, I think, because, and I think it's going to be LSU. That's going to be the first call because I think Les Miles is, I don't think he's going to get fired, but I, I just I, I don't think he he has good. I think he has a toxic relationship with the AD. So if there's an opportunity for him, he might get out, which is going to in turn put LSU uh, in contact with Stanford to try to get the best best option available. Now he may do a Chris Peterson where he can only turn him turn people down so many times before he has to make before he makes a jump, um, and and then he he might end up doing that, and it could very well be a place like LSU, maybe even in Auburn. But if Gus Malzahn gets fired, he could even go down to Auburn and and take that program over. I don't know. But uh, I do know this. Stanford's going to be really good. And even if they don't win, uh, it's not going to be because they lost it. It's going to be because one of these one of these other teams rose up and, and, and snatched it from them. Yeah, you know, I and – I mean, you guys talk about they have to replace three guys along the offensive line this year, but at this point, um, I have to have faith in them because they can just reload these offensive linemen every single year, it seems. And, be- and they don't they don't need high talented they don't need five star guys there to do it. That's that's the scary part. Oh, I know. They, they, they don't get, you know, the highest recruits, but, you know, recently they, they, their classes have been getting better. So, um, you know, in this this the, the greatness that this program has shown under first uh Jim Harbaugh and now uh, David Shaw is, you know, they are definitely a force to be reckoned with for years and years to come. Um, one quick note, uh, they have, uh, they also bring back uh, kicker Conrad Ukropina, who converted 90% converted 90 of his field goals last year. They have really solid special teams, obviously, all around, with Christian McCaffrey being, you know, as good a returner as there is in the country. So, um, you know, they should obviously be um, in the thick of it every every game and you know obviously we here at illegal motion think, think that they are going to be the champs of the north okay that's going to wrap up our pac-12 north preview make sure you check out the next episode when we look at the pac-12 south and predict the conference champion and some superlatives thanks for listening to the illegal motion college football podcast 
To get in touch with the show, email us at illegalmotionpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at illegal underscore motion. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.